Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems around the world adopt technology with me, Tiasha Zaitz. If someone told you to get an eye exam, would you associate that with a virtual reality headset? It just might happen that that's where ophthalmology diagnostics will end up in the near future. Compared to the existing diagnostic tools, a VR approach combined with AI is much more portable and hence accessible. And the Swiss company called Perivision is using that to enable more efficient workflows and deeper clinical insights to manage eye diseases better. I spoke with the co-founder and CEO of Perivision, Patrick Kissel, who prior to joining Perivision, advised medtech, biopharma and insurance clients on business development, go-to-market strategy, digitalization at the Boston Consulting Group. Patrick and I discussed how do VR and AI help in eye care, what is the competition in the field and how did the company evolve. This episode is supported by EIT Health Germany Switzerland, which is one of the eight knowledge and innovation communities currently funded by the European Institute of Innovation and Technology. EIT Health Germany Switzerland is currently serving 26 leading companies and public healthcare institutions in Germany and Switzerland, as well as renowned universities and research institutions to realize EIT Health's mission of public-private partnership. To learn more, visit eit-health.de, that's eit-health.de, where you will find more about innovation, acceleration and education programs. Before we begin, as always, here's a quick invite. Do subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet, and the episodes will be automatically downloaded in your podcast player. If you want to be updated on the topics that we covered just occasionally, check out our monthly newsletter on Substack or visit our website facesofdigitalhealth.com. We have a dedicated page for the series of discussions with the participants in EIT Health programs. So if you want to know more about those programs and the stakeholders that are involved in them, find the link in the show notes. Now let's dive into today's discussion. Perivision was the winner of last year's EIT Health's wildcard program and they received 1.5 million euros for their further development. Patrick also shared his reflection on the wildcard program and which startups the program is most suitable for. Patrick, thank you for joining this discussion about how AI and VR go together for eye care. To me, that sounds quite unintuitive because, you know, I would imagine that you need really good eyesight if you want to use a VR headset. So let's start with that. So how do AI and VR go together for vision care? In essence, the problem that we want to tackle is really that in the coming decades, the prevalence of certain eye diseases will really 
grow because our societies are aging, also due to our modern lifestyles. And the problem is that the current tools we have, these big machines in hospitals and ophthalmic practices are very inefficient to cater to this increasing demand and to test all the people that should be tested. And what is great with AI and VR is that VR is a technology that's really proliferating or growing in use, and it's pushed by the big tech companies as a new computing platform, mostly not for medical use, but for consumer electronics. And now that is a platform we want to leverage. And the good thing now in the eye care space is that these devices have certain features that make them well suited. The distance to the eyes is controlled. You have this immersive or also darkened environment that you need for certain eye tests. And that is why we came up with the idea to use VR for eye testing. And the AI portion, that really comes in to basically standardize and automate certain processes and also derive deeper or, or better insights from the data that, that you measure in those tests. Let's dive into that a little bit deeper. You mentioned that the current way that the eye testing is done is inefficient. Can you elaborate that a little bit further? So what do you see is wrong with the current approach and how is Perivision addressing this challenge? Yeah, first, it's basically, let's say, logistics or operations. Most of these tests, or basically all, are run in, in a stationary setting. So that means... The device is somewhere in a hospital or a clinic and the patient needs to go there to get tested. And that constrains the capacity of testing. Then another factor is that you need trained, specialized personnel to do those tests. And the third is that the testing is not always reliable in the end. So the data you get is not always giving you the information you need at that point. And these are three problems that we want to really address with our technology by integrating these two advancing technologies I mentioned before. So how does it work exactly? What do you measure and how is the whole science built behind this? How novel is this approach in terms of the number of studies that have already been done? So yeah, just that part. Yeah, so I think generally... Let's say when my co-founder started working on this five, six years ago, they, that was a pretty novel approach. They were among the first ones to propose this novel way of eye testing with VR headsets at conferences. By now, there's a couple of companies that also go down that route. So I think leveraging VR headsets for this kind of purpose is not that innovative anymore, I would say. There's also a lot of other applications in that region for Alzheimer's disease. There's a couple of companies that also use headsets for diagnostics and testing. So I think these devices are used more and more. What, where our main innovation really comes in is on the software and the artificial intelligence side. That's where our, also our IP is, that we have developed a portfolio of algorithm across the clinical workflow from measurement quality testing, and ultimately also the analytics for the doctors. And that's where our innovation comes from. 
And how does the test look like? Does the patient in question play a game? Or what exactly do you do after you put on the headset? So the first eye test that we're optimizing now with this novel approach is called visual field testing or perimetry. And that's an eye test that is used for glaucoma patients to diagnose and also monitor the condition to see whether the treatments work, whether the disease gets worse or not. And so what we don't really conceptually change anything in how the test is done, but we optimize it. We speed it up considerably with our algorithm and we make sure that the entire workflow around that test. So from the instructions from the technician to the quality control, to making sure that the patient takes the test correctly, that this is standardized and automated. So that's where we come in, but we don't propose an entirely novel way of testing the eye. Okay. So is there a sensor on the headset that kind of does some sort of a measurement in the, um, the eye? So the test is interactive. You, In a perimetry test, you react as a patient to light stimuli that are presented to you in different locations of your visual field at different or varying intensities. And the problem or for glaucomatous people or patients, the problem is that certain thresholds of the intensity, they cannot perceive the stimulus anymore. And so you know at that location, they have a defect in their visual field. And that is basically the test that we also do. But we have an algorithm that can do it with less test locations. And we're very good at reconstructing the whole visual field from, a, let's say, a select or a reduced number of locations that we test. What was the most difficult part in your whole development and how are you thinking about further development? I know that at the moment you are focusing on the early detection of glaucoma, which is a group of eye diseases that can cause a vision loss and blindness. The problem is that oftentimes the patient won't even detect the problem until a very late stage. Yeah, exactly. That's that's true. And that's very sad. The brain can, to a certain degree, compensate and that can go on for quite a while. So people don't notice, especially with older people. We often heard that they think, I'm just old, I'm just becoming clumsy. I, they don't see that they don't perceive maybe an object and they bump into it and they just think it, they're old. And now in terms of our development, one of the most challenging parties, I think, is building a workflow around these modern technologies that also works and is comfortable for this patient demographic that we want to cater to. And there we have to be very, really have to do user testings. You have to talk to patients. You have to understand how you can make it as seamless and easy for them. And that is a challenging process, definitely. Can you tell me a little bit more about how far in the development phase are you at the moment? And by that, how do the discussions that you have with ophthalmologists look like? So what kind of feedback are you getting? What kind of responses? Because any medical device needs years before it becomes a part of standard practice because there has to be a broader acceptance in the specialty field, that this is something that is good enough to become a standard of practice. 
absolutely yes you're spot on in terms of the development so we have a fully functional prototype now that is being tested by a couple of clinics next year we'll start two or three clinical studies in the us in switzerland and also with the nhs in scotland that's basically our validation plan for next year we have done already two initial validation studies uh, two three years ago to basically test our proprietary eye testing strategy for glaucoma and also this approach of conducting eye tests on VR headsets. And these were very promising results. That was basically the basis that made us confident to to start a company in this field. So yeah, we will build the clinical validation and that is normally, let's say, the first thing that clinicians look for. Doing a proper rigorous study with a well-known center that lays the scientific foundation for the product and then i think from a commercial angle the value proposition that gets clinics excited is really twofold in a way it's higher productivity with our faster testing with the autonomous nature of the testing with this small device as opposed to these large and bulky expensive machines you can really improve the workflows in a clinic. You can increase the patient throughput, the volume of patients you can see. And that is, I would say, what from a commercial standpoint gets people then very interested. And it's basically the first foot into the door. But then we want to go beyond that. We don't want to just be another, let's say, measurement device with our second product that sort of builds on top of this, which will be a suite of AI algorithms for diagnostics and better progression analysis. We will offer them also much deeper insight for the clinical decision making. So, for instance, when to call a patient back in or when to an intervention. And that is then the medical value proposition is optimizing the treatment path. You mentioned that you're working with various uh, clinicians from Switzerland, the US, uh, uh, NHS. Did you get to those specialists through congresses, through the network of the ophthalmologists that you already work with? I think it's always interesting to hear, you know, when companies need to scale or just get a proof of concept and that clinical validation, how do you actually reach the clinicians and work with them because they are busy and it's not an easy task. I must say we we grew our network step by step. We went through several accelerator programs and out of each we picked up some experts and these then connected us to their network. So it was really that kind of approach of growing our network through through conferences, accelerator programs. But then I guess we, at some point, we're also quite lucky. We we met pretty much the right people at the right time. And so we're introduced to a couple of these key opinion leaders in the field. And then, of course, we invested also quite a big effort. So this year alone, we were in the U.S. twice in February and in August for almost a month each. And so we invested into these relationships. We went to see them. So these were not just Zoom calls. We had working sessions there. We traveled to see them. We brought our initial prototype, although it was very early and it was a very, let's say, rudimentary initial prototype. But we tried to engage them very early on. We tried to also let them shape the, what we build. And I think that's also important that you have to manage expectations. You have to tell them that's a prototype and it's not what you're going to sell next, uh, next month. But... 
if you do that, I think it's good to engage them early because then they understand, they, they also value that you ask for their input and you don't come just with a finished product and put it in front of their nose. And that's the approach we took so far. And I think it's, it might have had the effect that we talked to a lot of people and to some extent slowed us a bit down. But on the other hand, we're pretty confident that we're moving into the right direction. And do they get compensated? for working with you? That depends on the individuals and contributions. So with some of them, we have advisory contracts. With some of them, it's in the really in the form of clinical research. And there, you should not compensate them because it needs to be a neutral, in that sense, mm -hmm. validation. Okay. You mentioned that you were a part of many accelerator programs. Perivision actually won the wildcard program by EIT Health last year. Can yeah. you tell me a little bit more about that experience? So why did you apply for the program in the first place? That was actually quite simple. The call for the last, so for 2021, for the last cohort, was in vision care. So it was the perfect fit. And I think even the call even mentioned diseases like glaucoma. And so we knew, okay, this is our chance to go through that program. So what was the whole experience like? What did you have to do? Which kind of startups do you think that this is most appropriate for? I think it's, I mean, it's in the healthcare segment. It's very focused. So It's really focused on, I would say, deep tech and science-based startups. And then I would say also probably what I've seen now with the teams that won it before us. Also, I had a call a couple of weeks ago with the team that won it this year, the team after us. It seems that the teams that win already have a very clear idea of the problem they're solving and already first validation of the technology, at least. So I would say it probably helps to have something ready like a prototype because otherwise you, you might be too early for the pro program. And so that also leads then to the second point. It's very heavy on the, on the commercial aspects, right? It's really an accelerator program and it's very intense. It's over a few months. So we started in, I think in May or June and it ended in November or end of October last year. And you have a little break in the middle in, in August and it's really, you get measured by the progress you do every week. So every week you have to update your on the new insights you gained on the market. So it's really about finding your initial beachhead market is what we called it, where you can first deploy your product. And for that, you have to talk to dozens of, of experts and potential customers, partners each week. And that is very intense scheduling all these interviews. You're expected to do 10 to 15 interviews by the week. And that is very intense, but I strongly believe in that approach because to make these strategic decisions, which segment you want to target, which customer profile, you need to do that in a very concentrated effort because otherwise what happens, and I've seen that also with other startups I've been involved in, you talk to one expert in one segment that one day and then a few weeks later to another and you don't get this this compiled level of insight to take a left right decision and that is what the program forces you to do and what was the hardest thing for you to, in the course of the program mm -hmm. you mentioned that it has several aspects to it 
from deep dives to interviews to preparing the strategy business pitch you also talk to angel investors and from that perspective in the previous discussions that we had with participants in the EIT Health programs one of the founders mentioned that for example they spoke with 90 plus investors in the course of their startup journey before really getting to a yes. So that's quite discouraging for many or just good to know if you're a startup founder. So I don't know, what was your experience like in that sense? What did you see as the hardest part in the program? Let's limit ourselves to that. I think, I wouldn't say we expected it and we knew we had to take it, but it's still hard. So that is that these people that you are mentored by, these are all previous uh, startup CEOs or some even current startup CEOs in your field or senior executives in large ophthalmology companies, in our case, investors in the US or in Europe. So these people really know their stuff and they challenge you to the core. And this is good. And it's, but it's tough because you always have the feeling you're not, you're not ready. You haven't done any, anything yet. And that is, that is difficult, but on the one hand, it's also what really brings you to the next step because they, if they will find the things that are not yet perfect in your business plan and they will put their finger there and that is stressful, but it's what you need. (laughs) How would you assess where Perivision is at the moment in terms of participating in Accelerator or other types of programs for startups? Because at different stages, startups have different needs and sometimes a startup can benefit a lot from a program like that. Whereas with another startup, the team will feel like they this is not exactly what they need. How would you characterize the maturity of the company at the moment? We're actually now at that stage. Just recently, I had a call with an accelerator program that approached us to participate. And it, during the conversation, it became clear that it was not such a strong fit. We are now out of the accelerator stage. EIT Health was perfect last year. We've done now one or two other programs which were very dedicated in healthcare. They could connect us to great resources. And so we did them. But yeah, now it's we're out of the accelerator phase and we need to accelerate ourselves. Given that you mentioned that you're testing your solution and working on different markets, I just wonder, is there any insights about the different markets that you are targeting that you could share with us? What did you observe so far regarding the US or the UK market or the European markets? Is there anything that kind of surprised you? I think one one really important insight from working in this sector now for a couple of years is that when it is, let's say, to simplify, the disease in a way is similar or basically the same everywhere, right? But how you, the economics and the workflows and how you address it in different markets, in different countries that varies quite a bit. And to give you an example, this one challenge we're in now in the UK, for instance, uh, is really centered around remote glaucoma monitoring. And 
that has its roots in how the health system in the UK is structured. And uh, they have a big backlog of patients that, for instance, cannot get their eyes tested properly. And the idea is to basically devise now a new way to test them without actually having them to come into the clinic. So it's again this notion of replacing this stationary workflow with a decentralized workflow. And that is very different, for instance, from the Swiss or the US healthcare system, where you have a decentralized healthcare system and not a centralized one like the NHS in, in the UK, where the individual providers actually want the patients to come in because you can build procedures. You get paid by the procedure from the payer. And these economic incentives that you have in different health systems really drive then the logistics and the incentives of the individual players. And that is something you have to study very deeply to understand where to play, how to play in a given market. Speaking of market, I didn't ask you yet about your competition. Can you mention any of the other approaches that are trying to change the diagnostics in eye care? Yes, absolutely. No, there there is a competition. I think we take this as a positive signal. This field has been stagnant for way too long and these other companies also do a great job of addressing or moving into the right direction in this field and basically optimizing these workflows. And So there's a couple of companies, especially in the US, that have also started using VR headsets for eye testing. How we want to differentiate is not just by digitizing these eye tests and combining them on, on, on onto one platform, onto one device, let's say this VR headset, but really go also much deeper, let's say on the inside dimension. So that means driving with AI, with our data science knowledge, the optimization of the entire workflow. So where that's where we differentiate because we've built up this portfolio of AI algorithms along, let's say the three simplified steps in the workflow. So testing the measurement of the eye, then making sure the test was of high quality or is useful so the quality control aspect and then the analytics this is where our ip where our deep understanding of data science comes in and yeah that's that there is also other companies in adjacent markets that i also find very interesting there's companies that do not do eye testing per se but for instance implantable eye pressure measurements and I think in the future, it's very interesting to combine such approaches with more friction, frequent functional testing. And this combination of data, that can really unlock new insight into patients and treatment that has not been available today. We mentioned earlier that your current focus is on diagnostics of glaucoma. What are some of the other indications that you are potentially also looking at or planning to, to tackle in the future? Where do you see the additional potential of the use of VR for eye care? Yes, there's a couple. And so... I think on the one hand, something we want to investigate also is whether visual field testing perimetry, which is currently really used for glaucoma, can also be used for other indications because we have now this much, you know, simplified and more economical approach to it. And so some other indications that we're looking at is, for instance, of course, AMD, age-related macular degeneration, which is also a big patient population. We want to also investigate what we can do there. 
Then and there's a diabetic retinopathy, which is also a very big patient population. And so these are areas that we're, that we're looking into. What are you most excited about in the upcoming year by participating in the Wildcard program funding, which I'm sure was very helpful, but you can tell us a little bit more about that and how that's impacting your future fundraising. Yeah, the Wildcard funding was hugely, you know, let's say, helpful to get started. 1.5 million. million. Yes, yes. So that that, is, that was really useful. We are basically now hiring. We have hired our team. We started, you know, with the commercial efforts, building partnerships, etc. So that that money is really great to to kick off. But of course, yes, for to commercialize medical technology, you need need much more than 1.5 million. And so now we're basically starting to structure another investment to then drive forward the commercialization. What is also really helpful is, in, especially in Switzerland, you have very good grant schemes combining academia and uh, industry partnerships. And so we're also we're very happy to have been awarded a grant by the Swiss government to also drive further the, the R&D around our product. So that I would also recommend to, to every startup to look into these, these R&D grant schemes, which are great tools. You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast to be notified about new episodes automatically. We also publish a monthly newsletter with the updates from the episodes in the last months. So go to fodh.substack.com. That's fodh.substack.com to find the best editions and subscribe to the newsletter. Also find the link in the show notes. Stay tuned. Thank you.